Hi, I'm Sarah. Welcome to the Juno Women Podcast, where I sit down with mamas to talk about their health, their work, their parenting, and all the different ways that they're keeping it together. Juna is a fitness and nutrition app created to help guide you through your trying to conceive, pregnancy, and motherhood journey. Everything we do is designed to empower and support you through one of the most incredible and challenging times of your life. On today's episode, I'm talking with Lauren Moniker. Lauren is a mom of one, as well as a registered dietitian with a special focus in fertility, pregnancy, and postpartum nutrition. She is also certified as a lactation education counselor and is one of Juna's most trusted advisors. In this episode, we talk about Lauren's approach to nutrition and how that helped shape Juna's simple but effective approach to nutrition during the trying to conceive pregnancy and postpartum phases. I hope you enjoy. Lauren, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast to talk about all things pregnancy nutrition. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to chat. Yes. So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, tell everyone about all your different expertises. Sure. So one thing I'm most proud of is I am the Juna Apps Nutrition Advisor. So that has been Super fun. I've been with y'all, I think, since before it even launched. We've seen a lot since when it began. I am a registered dietitian. I have my master's degree in human nutrition. I'm also a certified lactation educator. I think more importantly, I'm a mom who (laughs) had a very hard time getting pregnant, didn't have an easy pregnancy, didn't have the best breastfeeding experience. I understand the science and like what you learn in school, and then I lived it. So I try and give practical advice. I know new moms aren't like baking casseroles from scratch right now. No, (laughs) we're not. (laughs) Yeah. So let's be real and realistic. So I try and combine the two. I also freelance write a lot. I'm just trying to get all that bad nutrition information out of internet land and trying to get evidence-based information in there. I really enjoy doing that to have people have accurate information and not fall for the fluff and marketing. So I mean, that, I think that covers it. I'm a book author. I wrote a book about male fertility because I feel like men need to be part of the conversation more than they are. They're, yes. I mean, they're 50% of it. And I feel like men, at least in my case, my man just watched me shoot myself up with IVF drugs. And, <laughs> you know, if he could eat a salad once in a while, it certainly wouldn't have hurt. I think I harbored all my frustration from that and wrote a book. Yeah, that's it in a nutshell. I live in Charleston, South Carolina. Wonderful. It's I, you. You talked about the getting all of the like the not. I don't want to call it bad information because I think like the point of this is that it's like everything needs to be updated. People put out information based on the information that they have when they have it, and mm-hmm. that pregnancy nutrition, pregnancy fitness, like all these things. Like the more that we know, the the more the information needs to be updated. And what I find and what is so frustrating is that like just old information is out there and that's what people are finding because it's been out there for so long. And so it surfaces to the top of everyone's, you know, like Google searches. And I think that's like what we're trying to fight the good fight on. (laughs) Absolutely. And what's exciting is this year, the dietary guidelines, you know, for the U.S., they're actually including some recommendations for pregnant women, which they've never done before. So we're finally getting there with actually having real recommendations for what to do instead of trying to just sift through the research all on our own and coming up with different interpretations or not reading the research and just relying on Dr. Google. 
I, at least with my nerdy nutrition brain, I'm very excited to have expert panels just spell it out for us. So hopefully we will see that soon. Yeah. And, and I think like them, like one of the more important things is to not just everyone wants to be so black and white about things, but we'll dive into it. But everything is a level. What is what are you comfortable? What's the level of risk you're comfortable Absolutely. with? And some people are, are comfortable with 0% risk. So they don't want to do they don't want to eat any fish, whatever, it, whatever, it, or raw fish, whatever it is. But it, I think that's that there's a spectrum and there's a there's like that's what people have to understand. And, and in most cases up until now people have taken just a hard stance. No, don't do that at all. And that's not really that great because you may be missing out on really important nutrients. Yeah. It sets the tone for motherhood, right? (laughs) Don't have a set, do this, and then your kids will sleep through the night and be perfect angels. There's a cost benefit to everything you do. And I think that starts with pregnancy. And you as the mom have to decide what's best for you and what's best for your family. And that starts in pregnancy and what do you have the most control over during pregnancy is what you're eating and how you're treating your body. So really it's exactly it's your call. It's your call as the mama. Your body, your call. So let's get to it. This I think this is one of those questions that like everyone kind of begins with. They probably start it and if they're lucky, they probably start thinking about it before they're pregnant. But let's say that they don't. Let's talk about prenatal vitamins and what should people be looking for and how do they select it. And there are so many options out on the market. Some are great options. Some aren't so great. And it's hard to give, like you were saying before, with having black and white recommendations. Mm -hmm. I think they really – I look at it as a benefit to having so many options because there are so many diets and there are so many practices and so many lifestyles. You find one that works with you. If you're vegan versus you eat hamburgers four times a week, you're going to have different nutritional – gaps in your diet. So in general, what I think every woman needs in her prenatal is folate. The official recommendation is to get in folic acid, which is a synthetic form of that nutrient. But since a certain percentage of women may not break down that folic acid into the usable form, a lot of us clinicians are recommending to go for the methylated form of that nutrient. I go for folate. Choline is a nutrient that does not get enough attention, but it is so important, especially in the first few weeks of pregnancy for baby's brain development and spine development. And then iodine, you want at least 150 micrograms of iodine in there. And then lastly, of course, there are many other, I could go on for an hour about this, but just picking the top four highlights you want to make sure that you're getting at least 200 milligrams of DHA. Even if you're eating seafood twice a week, you still want to get that 200 milligrams in a day via supplementation to make sure you're getting enough for baby's brain. Got it. And then curious, because I know that when I was looking, there's not a lot of prenatals that have all of those in. Like it's that would make for a very big pill. Yeah. And so what what pregnant moms can do is get a prenatal that might have two of them and then have a separate choline supplement or a separate DHA supplement. Absolutely. And And um, that is recommended, right? Yeah. And just like the stability of the nutrients, like often you'll see the DHA separate because it's normally in liquid form and you don't want to mix them all. So it's easier to take and it actually makes for a more stable nutrient. 
Got it. And do you have a favorite prenatal that you recommend to most clients or is it really just (laughs) – I know. (laughs) I I really don't. I have my few favorites, but I really pick and choose depending on where they are in their journey. If they're trying to conceive, I go a little different than if they are pregnant. I really like to see what they're eating, how they're tolerating things before I give my recommendation. Okay. So we'll leave it at that. We won't give anyone some airtime here. (laughs) (laughs) So let's get into – oh, and you – when do you recommend someone start taking a prenatal and when do you recommend they stop taking a prenatal? Yeah. So I recommend they take their prenatal at least three months before they get pregnant. How many people actually know they're pregnant when they're pregnant? Those first few weeks, you might just feel like you're getting your period. So – you want to make sure you're covered there. And then I recommend taking some sort of supplementation if you're breastfeeding until you stop breastfeeding. Even if you're not breastfeeding, but you just went through labor, whether it was vaginal or C-section, it does benefit you to have that boost of nutrients for healing for yourself. In that case, for the non-breastfeeding mom, at least I'd say three weeks postpartum, keep taking them. Got it. Okay. Noted. (laughs) All right. Let's get into general food safety issues. What are the things that we should be aware of? One of the things that women get very sick from that they don't think about is produce. And I'm not saying to not Mm -hmm. eat fruits and veggies, but when way back when we used to go to restaurants and you get that fruit salad on the side with the cut cantaloupe and honeydew, um, That can sometimes hold bacteria, which can make people very sick. So I tend to tell women to stay away from the pre-cut melons and the pre-cut fruit. It just seems to be a hotbed, but cutting your own melon and washing the rind before you cut it is absolutely fine. People are surprised to hear that that's my number one watch out over things like deli meats and sushi. I think it's the pre-cut fruit that people tend to get in trouble with a lot more. And then I I don't see it that often anymore. The raw milk was a big trend a few years ago. And I I just, I'm not into that. It's (laughs) raw. It's not pasteurized. It has bacteria in it. You could get very sick from raw milk. So that's a, I hate to say no to one specific food, but that's one I will say no to. And then just really using common sense. I personally ate deli meat when I was pregnant, but I was not eating deli meats at like were like had like a film of slime on them and were just right. like a subway off the side of the road. Like I was eating boar's head meat that were that was cut that yep. day. And it's not a like general no. I think you have to be smart. Even with sushi, like you're not eating gas station sushi that's been sitting out for three days. But if it's fresh and you, you trust the place, then you're better. You will be better, more safe. Yeah. Your chances are much better. Yeah. It's funny. I I, I ate deli meat all three pregnancies. <laughs> like just you know, was very specific about where I got my deli meat from yeah. and ate sushi all three pregnancies. Like I think the, 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 the like basically like reputable source, they flash freeze yeah. all fish that's served at sushi restaurants in the US. You know, so it's like that, that's not where the risk is. So let's, is there... What about cheeses? Because there's lots of different information about cheese. Yeah, and I think it depends on where you live. Because a lot of people mm-hmm. now give the blanket statement, all cheese is fine because all cheese you're getting is pasteurized. 
for me, I live in Charleston, South Carolina, which is like culinary crazy. And they're not all mm-hmm. pasteurized. They come from right. farms. I'm fortunate that if I ask a server, they know if it's pasteurized or not. They could tell me what farm the cheese came from. So I'm still with the school of as long as it's pasteurized, it's fine. But you can't assume that every piece of feta cheese you're getting in your salad is pasteurized. I would assume if you're going to like a Applebee's or a Chili's, I don't think they're serving like farm fresh feta. So again, it's common sense, but ask a lot of questions. We're going to take a quick break so I can tell you about the Juna app, which is the app that makes this podcast possible. Juna is the only pregnancy and postpartum fitness and nutrition app with more than 200 pregnancy and postpartum safe workouts. The app also includes a key nutrient to focus on every week. For example, in week 16, Juna recommends vitamin C because vitamin C supports healthy lung development and it boosts immunity and it lowers the risk of developing preeclampsia. From there, we give you delicious recipes that help you get that exact nutrient in your life both quickly and easily. Juna also includes daily diaphragmatic breathing exercises as well as pelvic floor prep to keep things intact before and after labor. We also provide you daily tips to get you through each stage of your pregnancy and are constantly adding more to the experience. Lastly, every week there is a note from me that is relevant to the exact things you're experiencing. These are so helpful for easing any fears you may have as well as preventing gestational Google mania, the sickness where you can't stop Googling every little thing that happens during pregnancy. You can find the app by searching Juna in the iOS app store or visiting juna.co. And the best part is when you enter your due date or baby's birthday for postpartum, the app will automatically place you exactly where you're supposed to be. As a Juna Women podcast listener, we are offering you your first 30 days free. This deal is only available through our website. Go to juna.co, and when you get to the credit card page, use coupon code JUNAPOD, all in caps. Again, that is J-U-N-A-P-O-D, all in caps. Now, back to the show. Which Now, I'm curious, though, because like in – my this is my perspective not professional opinion my perspective mm-hmm. i would feel more comfortable eating cheese from a farm that i like that was a, from a local farm right here than like a mass produced and pasteurized cheese that's like my opinion so i'm curious where, yeah, like think, that. I think intuitively that makes sense because like you're not pasteurizing it the nutrients are preserved it's fresh but with it not being pasteurized, you have the potential of bacteria growing in it. And while me, 40-year-old, not pregnant, can handle it and my body can do what it has to do if there's some bacteria that shouldn't be in my body, in the case of pregnancy, that's not always the case. So it's the pasteurization issue. Just the one thing people don't think about are those juice bars where they serve non-pasteurized juices. It can be a breeding ground for bacteria. I always look at the juices at Trader Joe's and it blatantly says not pasteurized orange juice. That's something you want to stay away from and go for the pasteurized juice. Again, people like the not pasteurized because they think it helps preserve the nutrients more, but I'm more concerned about having a mom puking her guts out for three days, maximizing the nutrients in their cheese. Got it. Okay. And then my last question on food safety is eggs. Yes. Eggs, same thing. It's You could buy pasteurized eggs. And if you have pasteurized eggs, then you can have your eggs benedict. 
than your runny eggs, but even if they're farm fresh, I some people will disagree with me. I feel like it's better safe than sorry, and I like them not runny when you're pregnant. Pasteurized eggs are very easy to find in the grocery store, though. I think people don't realize that they're right there, and they taste just as good. Which which are pasteurized? Which company? I don't know. that There are a bunch of companies, and you'll just see the word okay. pasteurized on the label. You just have to look for it. And if you look for it, you'll be surprised at how it's just – they're staring at you. You're just not – I never paid attention until I was pregnant, but they're very right. fine. And they taste just the same. Got it. All right. Moving on then. Yes. <laughs> so let's just talk about some important macros during pregnancy. What are what are some healthy fats that like we should try and eat and which which are the ones that we should avoid during pregnancy? So when I think of fats, the first thing that comes to mind for pregnancy are the fats that you are getting from your fish and seafood. And if someone is vegan or is avoiding fish and seafood, they have to have to take a DHA supplement. They make them algae-based, so they're not getting the animal product in their body. But those are the fats that are unique to fish and seafood. They're specific omega-3 fatty acids. So you'll see fatty a- omega-3 fatty acids being advertised in things like walnuts and flax seeds. And they do have omega-3 fatty acids. They don't have that specific DHA fatty acid, which is what we really need during pregnancy. So fatty fish is like my number one go-to twice a week, choosing the lower mercury sources. So like salmon is everyone's go-to, but just sticking with those cold water, fatty, lower mercury fish, seafood choices is to me the most important thing that women can do when they're pregnant or trying to conceive. And then the classic avocado that who doesn't love avocados is a great thing to add into your diet. You want to stick with those unsaturated fats, so nuts, seeds, avocados, the olive oils, avocado oils, things of that nature are important not only for babies' growth and development, but they also help you absorb other nutrients. So living a fat-free diet lifestyle during pregnancy is not going to do you any favors because you're not going to be able to absorb other vitamins that you and your baby need. I mean, again, not my profession, not my <laughs> professional opinion, but I feel like living like living a fat-free lifestyle isn't going to serve you ever. True. Very true. Thank you. For <laughs> that, that wouldn't be the shit. diet I'm recommending to anybody. Right. Cool. Then let's talk about protein. Yeah. Protein is obviously important just for growth and development. It's also going to help mom stay satisfied. In the first trimester, you typically don't need to make a conscious effort to eat more, but you should try and eat some, which sometimes is a challenge when you're nauseated. I find a lot of women do well with hard-boiled egg whites. They just taste like nothing, and you could just get them down. But really, in terms of protein, you just want to eat a balance of different varieties so you get the different amino acids in. Again, if you're vegan... I do think it's wise to meet with a registered dietitian just to make sure that you're not missing anything in terms of amino acids. Often women that are following a vegan lifestyle have been doing it before pregnancy and they know like they're a pro, but if they're just embracing it and then they happen to get pregnant, I you run the risk of missing out on certain things that you may need help with. 
Got it. And then um, what are some like good plant-based sources of protein? Again, back to the nuts and seeds are wonderful. Beans, chickpeas, hummus is like a great thing just to add on to really anything I feel like it lives in my refrigerator. (laughs) Tofu, I think is a wonderful source of protein and calcium. And it's typically very easy to tolerate in first trimester also. So yes, um, it's also just an easy thing that you don't have to worry about like undercooking and you're tired in your last trimester and you just need a quick meal. Tofu is just an easy thing to throw into a stir fry or a soup or whatever, a bowl. So I'm definitely team tofu. And a lot of- Yeah, I also- Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. (laughs) What I love about tofu is it also doesn't go bad immediately. So it's like you can have it in your fridge for a couple weeks. Yes. And you could buy like the baked ones that are already flavored for you. You're just like done. Yeah. And then a lot of the dairy-free alternatives, so like your almond milks, your oat milks, all of those, some have protein, some don't. So they can be a great protein source if you're choosing the ones that have protein. A lot of them are now adding protein, which is great, but – um. Like your classic almond milk is, I think it has one gram of protein, which is not right a, a fair comparison to dairy milk. Yeah, <laughs> no, cool. And then do, in terms of in terms of not like uh, the normal protein, animal proteins. That's yes. the word I'm looking for. <laughs> do you have any favorites that hit all the the buckets for you? Back to the fish and seafood, absolutely. Okay. Eggs, I think, are very important during pregnancy, especially if you're eating the yolk because that is one of the best sources of that nutrient choline, which is hard to get in the diet and a lot of prenatal vitamins don't have any of it in them. I think there's a place for red meat. I mean, I think once a week, red meat, if you're open to it, gives a nice boost of iron and zinc, which the zinc actually won't hurt anyone during cold and flu season. So I think it's a nice little boost there. Just, again, just the balance. Even if you are a meat eater, eat meat eater, excuse me, I don't think there's anything wrong with having two, three plant-based dinners a week just to break it up too. You just really want to hit the variety whenever possible. Yeah. Yeah. Variety, which by the way, during the first trimester is very hard to hit. Yes, it is. <laughs> Speaking of first trimester, let's talk about chiro- carbohydrates. <laughs> yes. What, what, how much should we aim for? What is our plate supposed to look like? And then what are some good sources of healthy carbs? So I don't love to give a number because everyone just, they're different depending on their weight and their needs and their activity level. And first trimester is just a tough one. I could tell you what you should be doing, but I could tell you I didn't. And most women I talk to. <laughs> Me neither. Typically you're not feeling great and you just want to settle your stomach. And hopefully, you were taking your prenatal vitamins three months before you got pregnant. Hopefully, you can continue to tolerate them while you're not feeling great. And you can tolerate some food. The priority is to stay hydrated over like making sure you're getting your two servings of seafood a day and your five fruits and veggie servings a day. And your body will do what it needs to do. How many women do you know that were nauseated during their first trimester and their babies are absolutely fine. I think that really goes to show one reason why preconception nutrition is so important to really build your stores and make sure that you're ready to go for those moments where you just can't eat anything but like 
ginger ale. Yeah. Yeah. But just thinking about the foods that you can tolerate, carbs really seem to make women feel better. I think potatoes have gotten a bad rap and they're loaded with a lot of important nutrients. The white, the russet ones and the sweet ones are both easy to tolerate and they're good for you in my opinion. They give you a lot of what you need. Smoothies can help just as long as you're balancing it out and not just giving yourself a sugar bomb. With any smoothie, you want to have a little bit of fat and a little bit of protein in there. I'm not really answering your question. I'm realizing because you were talking about a balance plate and I'm talking about morning sickness, but whatever. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> well, let's go back to – so what are some good sources of carbs? So good sources of carbs, they're, they're the, the complex carbs, things like the sweet potato or whole grain bread or whole grain pasta versus carbs that just give you that – quick burst of energy, but then you could have like a sugar crash later on. So the candies, the sweets, the white breads, the white flours, those are the ones that you want to stay away from more so than the whole grain options. And popcorn counts as a whole grain, which is lovely. Oh, that's a nice treat. Yes. And then of course your fruits, try to eat the skin whenever possible. Those are really going to give you some nutrients that your body needs and they're also satisfying. They could satisfy a sweet tooth without having to turn to candy. So lots of yes. carb options. Cool. So I want to dive a little, we, we've, we've touched a little bit on fish. I know that you love fish, but I, I want to dive a little bit deeper because I know that there's like a lot of people have a fear around eating fish because mm-hmm. of mercury. Mm-hmm. They have a fear of eating fish because of the raw aspect of it. But let's talk about why it's important, what are some of the misconceptions about it, how can people eat fish safely, and then also if some of the evidence on like the impact on baby's brain health, and because I know there's some really interesting studies. Yeah, they're really compelling studies. Data is now suggesting it could really show the increase in IQ points of babies that had moms that ate seafood versus moms who didn't eat seafood. It helps support their immune system. It helps support, it plays a role in their behavior as they get older. I mean, just things that really aren't top of mind when you're pregnant, but they're so important. So I already talked about the fatty acids that are important, but also seafood has so many nutrients. They're really just packed with selenium, choline, high quality protein, so that they're really a nice balance. The mercury is a concern and you don't want to eat seafood every day. You don't want to eat seafood four times a week. You want to limit it to twice a week. And that's what the data suggests that eating lower mercury options twice a week plus supplementing those days with the DHA supplement will give your body what it needs without potentially having any risk on the baby. So the experts agree that it's, again, like that cost-benefit, it's worth the small possible exposure of mercury for all of the benefits of eating fish and seafood. I, I think it's important enough to commit to doing it. I did it. I recommend my clients do it. Yeah, I just... I I understand the concern and the thought of eating mercury, but it's 
it's worth it. And now I think there, I guess 20 years ago, we were all trained, like don't eat farmed seafood, don't eat farmed fish because they're just fed antibiotics and coloring and they're not a good choice. But now a lot of the farmed options, they're changing their practices and it's a controlled environment. There's no mercury in there because they're not in the sea eating mercury and they're not feeding them the antibiotics and the yucky feed. They're feeding them what I guess fish should be eating. I don't know what fish should be eating, but I wouldn't, I don't fear farmed fish anymore. I used to just stay away and only pick wild salmon, but now I just try and get familiar with the fishery that it comes from. And there are certain countries, I'm sure you don't want to get into (laughs) where to source your farmed seafood. But I think that's one big misconception that farmed seafood is just a no-no and it's loaded with things you don't want in your body. And that's just not the case anymore. So I think that's important thing to note. That is. I I hadn't did not know that. And I know like I I agree. I think I was of the perspective to not eat farmed seafood. So I'm glad that you brought that up because I think that makes fish a little more accessible. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to just go over the fish that you should not eat during pregnancy that are super high in mercury? Um shark, which isn't really a popular one anyway. (laughs) No, not here. It's shark, mackerel, I'm trying to do this off of memory. Marlin Swordfish is the big one. So I personally never eat swordfish. I used to. I like the way it tastes, but just because of the mercury concerns, I do not. I haven't eaten swordfish in probably 15 years. Mm -hmm. So those are the biggies. And then what are some like good fish choices? So salmon. Salmon's a great one. Shrimp is wonderful. Shrimp is sometimes much more affordable than your classic fish. You could buy them frozen, keep them in your freezer, and they defrost in like a minute if you run them underwater. It's just an easy way to a quick weeknight stir fry. That's a great choice. A lot of people eat tuna salad. And one thing to note with tuna salad, you have to pay attention to which kind of tuna you're choosing. The albacore tuna, which tends to be the more popular one, can tend to have a little more mercury than options like skipjack. So if you are choosing albacore tuna for your tuna salad, that's fine. But lay off the seafood for the rest of the week if you're going to enjoy an albacore tuna salad one day during your week. If you go for the skipjack tuna, then have your two servings of seafood a week. Okay. Good to note. Good to note. (laughs) And that can be like that's for tuna, not just tuna salad too, but just if you wanted yes. albacore tuna or sushi or whatever. Okay. All right. Let's talk about water because I think this is one of those like undersold things. Yeah. <laughs> people forget how important hydrating themselves is. So how much water should I be drinking? I – again, <laughs> I don't love to get a, give a specific number, but if you're feeling thirsty, you're not drinking enough. So to me, that's the telltale sign that you're not drinking enough. So just always keeping something with you. You search Google now. There are a thousand containers that remind you to drink. (coughs) Excuse me. So that's my answer. (laughs) If you're thirsty, drink. If you're thirsty, drink. All right. Any minerals that you want to highlight that are especially important during pregnancy? Calcium is one that I think goes unnoticed and it's so important 
during pregnancy, before pregnancy, after pregnancy. But it's, uh, to me, especially during pregnancy, because your baby's going to get what it needs, and that might be at the expense of you. And now being a little older, I think about what life is like going to be like for my daughter as she gets older. And I want to make sure I'm healthy and strong to help her with her kids. And you need to make sure that you're getting in enough calcium at this age to take care of your bones later on and also provide for your baby while you're pregnant. So to me, that's one that's overlooked and very important. And also iron is one that you typically need in higher amounts in your second and third trimester that you just need to pay attention to and eat your iron sources. So your red meats, your shellfish, your greens, there are tons of supplements out there if needed, but that's another one that you definitely don't want to neglect. And while you're pregnant, and if your feelings just exhausted, it could be because you're pregnant and you're growing a baby, but it could also be because you're iron deficient and your body's not getting the oxygen that it needs to do what it has to do. So that's something you would want to bring up to your doctor. They can easily check your iron stores and easily fixable. All right. Yeah. I, I, I was a little bit low on my iron for a couple different blood work sessions. But my, my midwife was like, are you tired? I'm like, no more tired than I would be being pregnant with a kid with two other kids. Yeah. It's hard to gauge, <laughs> right? So it's hard to gauge, but yeah, I'm exhausted. <laughs> okay. So I know that you're probably going to say – it's different for everybody, but let's <laughs> can we get rid of the misconception of eating for two and kind of talk about what we really need to be eating throughout our pregnancy? Absolutely. Yeah, you're um I just got very excited about that. Yeah. When they say eating for two, think about how big that little embryo is. So yeah, you're eating for two, but not two grown adults. You're eating for a little, you know, nail sized peanut and yourself. So we're not really talking calories, especially in the beginning. It's the nutrients. You want to eat the nutrient-dense foods. You don't want to down cookies and ice cream all day. I, most things that you are putting in your mouth need to have some sort of nutrition benefit. And I think that's something that should be in the back of people's minds when they're eating. Of course, you eat for enjoyment too, and the once-in-a-while treat is fine, but um, – the sitting in front of the TV downing a pint of ice cream and saying I'm eating for two isn't really doing what's best for you and your baby. <laughs> it's interesting. I I I find it interesting because it is such an, a mindset that people get in where it's, especially people who are restrictive before pregnancy, it's like all of a sudden you have this excuse to gain weight, which you're like finally allowing yourself to gain weight, but it's like, it's just, I think it's so, it's so hard to manage like both competing feelings where it's like, I want to take this opportunity to eat whatever I want, but also like you really have to take care of yourself and your baby because everything you're putting in your body right. is important. You know, <laughs> I actually see a lot of the other side where women struggle with that idea that they need, they will be putting on some weight and it's, healthy and it's good for you and it's good for your baby and not gaining the amount of weight that your body needs 
is yeah not how you know it's not good for you so I, I see both sides I see some women like woohoo I'm pregnant let me go to the buffet and the other ones are just every time they get weight they have a very hard time and both are need to be taken seriously yeah yeah I it's interesting like my my first pregnancy I I had a muffin every morning for a muffin or a scone or a bacon, egg, and cheese, <laughs> all from Whole Foods. It was like every morning I would just drive to Whole Foods and pick up a breakfast. And I just like – I look back at that pregnancy and I laugh because I didn't know – I didn't I, – like I knew better, but like I just didn't care. And I like still put on the appropriate amount of weight. Like I think I was on the higher – I was – I put on I think 34 pounds. So I was on that upper echelon of what is normal. <laughs> but I think like after that pregnancy, I was just like – all right, I'm. I can do better with my next pregnancy, and um, really focused much more with the next two pregnancies on making sure that while I did indulge every, occasionally, I just eighty five percent of what I put in my body was nutritionally dense. Yeah, and like you said, eighty five percent. I think that's great. I'm sure you still eat your slice of birthday cake and enjoyed the holidays, and you have. To oh yeah. Feel. Yes. Yes. So this is a question that we get asked a lot. I don't – I think it's like the people that have this question ask it and no one else cares, but let's just talk about it. But protein powders. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I get asked that a lot too. So there's a website that I lean on. It's a nonprofit that runs it and it's the – oh my gosh, Brain. I'll think of it. I've told you before too. Anyway, I'll think of it. Mm-hmm. Basically, they – oh, the Clean Label Project. That's what it's called. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. Old Brain. And they independently evaluate protein powders for heavy metals, contaminants, things like lead and just things that you just don't want in your body. So mm-hmm. they list all of the results and some companies have a very hard time with it and they don't love the results that come out of it. They've done it now with baby foods and other products, dog foods, just to show you what's really in the foods that you're eating. Because especially things like protein powders are not regulated. So no one's really watching them and seeing what's in them. So I like to go there as a first start to see which brands are, I hate to use the word clean because like they're not dirty, but they're, let's just use the word clean just because it's easier. So that's what I do. And the some of the vegan vegetarian sources of protein don't have as many variety of amino acids as the non-plant-based ones do, but a lot of the companies will supplement. So it's still a balanced choice. So I don't give a recommendation of hemp-based versus soy-based versus whey-based. It's really whatever works for you and whatever you want. My concern is more of what is actually in there. So looking for any of those additional contaminants, number one. Number two, when you're pregnant, I like to stay away from protein powders that have added herbs or quote-unquote benefits. You'll see some that have ashwagandha added to it and like extract of whatever. A lot of these haven't been studied when women are pregnant. So I just like to stick with the protein. I don't want added other stuff, even added vitamins and minerals. I don't want them in there because you're taking your prenatal vitamin and I don't want you to double up on certain minerals that can cause some harm if you take too many. So simple, basic, clean, free of contaminants is what I go for. 
Makes sense. Perfect. Thanks. That's and I will we'll link that clean label project because I think that's great resource. Yeah, me too. Perfect. So let's do you have any like when you work with a client, like what are like the top three tips that you give someone for like having a healthy pregnancy? I tend to talk a lot about sleep. I know it's not in the umbrella of nutrition, but I think sleep is just so important. It plays such a big role in your hormones, and I think it plays a big role on being able to make good food choices. I know in my case, when I'm tired, I want a bagel. I just want to grab a bagel and not eat anything. Like I don't want a salad. I don't know what it is about it. So that's my number one, is doing what you can to just get good sleep. I think taking a high-quality prenatal vitamin is so important. If you're not tolerating, it's not doing you any favors and you need to talk to someone about switching. And back to the variety. There's not one pregnancy superfood. So just getting that variety in. Things like fish are great, but in excess isn't great. Things like eggs are great, but if you're eating five a day every day, that's not great. So variety of nutrient-dense foods is key. Okay. That's a great tip. Okay. I'm going to ask four different questions all related to different tips for symptoms of pregnancy. So do you have some tips to help with nausea? With nausea, yes. Ginger, not real real ginger, not like a Canada dry that's ginger ale flavored. You need something with real ginger. Maximum of 1,000 milligrams a day. Okay. Anything else? For nausea, there's a massage. You can watch it on YouTube if you like Google wrist massage, nausea. There's a pressure point that you push down and it's amazing how it helps with nausea relief. And there's really good data to show that it helps so many women going through cancer treatments manage their nausea. So it doesn't involve drugs or any food. And it worse that happens, it just doesn't work for you. But there's a very specific, I'm like doing it right now, but you can't see me. There's a very specific <laughs> spot to push down on your wrist that zaps nausea symptoms. It's amazing. There's uh, there's also a company called Nomo Nausea. They actually have a bracelet that pushes on those two pressure points. Stop it. Yeah. I love that. They, they obviously like market to pregnant people in their first trimester. And I think there's also it's so it's a, the pressure point and then it also has a essential oil that's supposed to help with the nausea as well. That's wonderful. It's called Nomo nausea. I like it. <laughs> I like the name. Yeah. Very literal. Okay, so some nutrition tips to help with constipation. What are like some good foods to make sure you're integrating? First you want to make sure you're drinking enough. So yeah, liquid room temperature because sometimes the cold can make everything contract and you want things to relax. You want to stay hydrated. I like women to take a high quality probiotic with a lot of strains of lactobacillus that can sometimes help. And then in terms of food, I think chia seeds is a very easy thing to sneak into your diet. Even if you're experiencing nausea, throw it in your smoothies, throw it in whatever you're eating. Prunes are classic. They're not sexy, but they work. So that's a great thing to add in there. Popcorn can help. Really just the whole grain, high fiber, beans, Going back to this thing, taking it easy on the white flowers, white breads, candies, and sticking with the whole grain carbs. And exercise, moving, walking can help too. Yes. Okay. So any nutrition tips to help with sleep? 
to help with sleep, um, shutting off the iPhone and the blue screens an hour before bed, which sounds hard, but if you get in the habit, it's amazing what that small thing can do. Um, trying not to drink too much before bedtime because as we get more pregnant and our bellies get bigger, sometimes peeing gets in the way of our sleep. Yeah, And then there are certain foods that have been shown to support sleep in a healthy way, believe it or not. There's data that suggests that eating two kiwis before bed helps people get better quality sleep, which I'm all about. Two kiwis. Yep, two kiwis. I like mm-hmm. it. All right. Mm-hmm. Tart cherry juice has been shown to help with sleep. So there are some natural remedies that may or may not work, but it's not going to hurt anything. Will cherries in general or does it have to be tart cherry? It's the tart juice? cherry. Got it. Okay. All right. And then is there any foods that I can eat that will help me bring on labor? There is some data, not a lot, that supports <laughs> the use of dates. You have to eat quite a bit, like six dates a day, which is a lot. You could sneak it in there. And it has been shown to support cervical ripening. So little anatomy lesson, like your cervix has to be soft enough for the baby to push through. So before you have your baby, your cervix is, it feels like the consistency of the tip of your nose. It's like a little harder, like plasticky maybe. And you want it to feel like the consistency of the inside of your cheek. So a ripe cervix feels like the inside of your cheek. To get it to that point, eating dates every day during the last four weeks of pregnancy may get the cervix to that point sooner. Also, one study has shown that women who ate dates consistently needed less pain medication and less need for induction of labor. Certainly not a magic bullet, but I don't really see the downside of eating dates unless like you're managing gestational diabetes or you just, I don't know hate dates. I say go for it. Nice. And then what's the – it's bromelain and pineapple, but is that – You have to what's your feeling so on? much pineapple for it to have any effects. I have never seen anyone eat that much pineapple. So pineapple's a no. What about red raspberry leaf tea? Red raspberry leaf tea, first trimester, I like to stay away from. It may not increase the risk of causing uterine contraction. Third trimester, later in the third trimester – for the same reason, I think it can be a benefit. Got it. I feel like I'm like – Never um, helped me. Like prenatal jeopardy. <laughs> Just like throwing questions. Right. I'm like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> Sweating over um, here. <laughs> I did. I did. Like I, I – with my first two, I was like – actually, no. I wasn't. I think I was with, with Kyla. With Luca, I was like, I need to get this baby out of me. Like it needs to get out of me. Yeah. And I did and tried everything. Want to dispel some myths? How about spicy food? Does that matter? No. Nope. <laughs> no. Spicy food doesn't matter. There's I will I'm you know like I I I'm on the side of uh, castor oil working. Okay. <laughs> but but that's because it worked for me. Yeah. For me. <laughs> and it's like ridiculous. I got a pedicure, and the guy who was giving me a pedicure said you look like you're ready to have your baby. And I'm like, I'm not ready to have my baby. And he massaged that pressure point like right above. Oh, on your foot. Yeah. He yeah, 10 minutes on each side and I didn't know what he was doing. And four hours later I went into labor 
And I was at the doctor's <laughs> that day who said, I'm not dilated. I'm good to go. Nothing's happening. And then I showed up yeah. like a few hours later and he's, oh my God. <laughs> he's like, you're, you're having so a baby funny. in an hour. Yeah. I, I love hearing it's because it's so funny. He's like my – with my first, I was – I had a very spicy burrito and like literally an hour later my water broke. Mm. With my daughter, I was eating – no, actually I was going to say I ate spicy Thai, but I my water broke and then I went and ate Thai food and then I went to the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> and with Levi, I was – I literally um, – I was like everything – and this is what I feel about castor oil is that like everything else has to be aligned. Like I – was three centimeters dilated. I was like pretty much a face. I was already at like a negative one station and like just wasn't in labor. And so my midwife was like, you can do the castor oil midwife's brew. And and I literally, she, she was like, we like scheduled it as if it was an induction. Like I had to call her make sure that she had no other births going on. I told her, I, I, t- I was like, I'm taking it. And I'm not kidding you, 30 minutes later, full-blown later, baby was out in five hours. You never know. And with a lot of these things, if there's no downside, go for it. My mom tells (laughs) everyone- Except for the pineapple. Your belly might be full. Right. Yeah. My mom tells everyone to eat lobster. I don't know like where this comes from. (laughs) You just want lobster. (laughs) But if that's yummy to your tummy, then you go right ahead. Yes. That's those are all the questions that I have for you. This was super informative. I think that I love just talking pregnancy nutrition. So thank you for bringing all your knowledge here. Yes, my pleasure. I feel like we packed a lot in. We did. We did. It's it was like fifty minutes of just information. Yeah. Gosh. All right. <laughs> well, I thank hope you, I Lauren. <laughs> 